Hi, I'm Ryan Miner. I'm the host of a Minor Detail podcast where it's all about Maryland. We have a no-holds-barred conversation featuring Maryland newsmakers and newsbreakers, journalists, reporters, politicos, politicians, policy wonks, prognosticators, political activists, organizers, community leaders, and so many more. Man, that's a lot of peas. Here on a Minor Detail podcast, we get to the bottom of every story. We talk about news and politics in an open and honest format. And we find the minor details because every detail matters. You can follow us on the web at a aminordetailpodcast.com and aminordetail.com for the latest Maryland news and politics. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. Good afternoon, everybody. It is Friday. It's a great day. And now we are in the 116th Congress, and it's a completely different Congress this year. It's the most diverse Congress in, I believe, in congressional history. That's a positive thing. It means that we are moving forward as a nation. And as I was watching yesterday afternoon as the uh, peaceful transfer of power took place, I, I got a little choked up, to be honest with you. And as I'm getting more nostalgic and old, <laughs> older, I'm only 33, I was watching the, the changing of the gavel and uh, Speaker Pelosi uh, taking the oath before her grandchildren and other children who joined her at the podium um, at the top of the, uh, the speaker's chair. And it just reminded me so much of how things should be in this country. It was exactly as it is supposed to be, a peaceful transfer of power. And it was an opportunity to look towards the future. And I'm very proud that our country is moving in a forward direction, especially with the number of women. And it cannot be lost. It should not be lost that yesterday was a remarkable day in our nation's history for women. Over 100 women are now serving in the United States House of Representatives, whereas 15, 20 years ago, I think the most was 20 or 30 or maybe even less. It's such a positive reinforcement that we are a nation, a young nation, and that we are growing. And that is that's something that we need to celebrate each and every day. So welcome to a Minor Detail podcast. My name is Ryan Miner. I am your host. And today, John Delaney, Congressman John Delaney, will be joining the show to talk about his time spent in Congress, and I'm proud to have Hello. him. Hey, John, how are you today? Good, Ryan. How are you doing? I am. I'm great. Hey, I was, I was wondering if you, now that you're out of office um, and could be back in office in 2021, if you and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez have been doing any dancing on the Hill lately. <laughs> you know, I haven't had the opportunity to meet her. Um, okay. So uh, our paths didn't cross when she was doing orientation and on the Hill. Well, she's an interesting cat. I, I've been following her career, and it seems like she's been giving the Republicans serious heartburn by just being herself. And it's kind of funny that anything that she does or has said that they seem to blow it way out of proportion. But uh, it's good to say, as I was saying in the intro, yeah, that they, they seem to be anti-authenticity these days. 
Right, exactly. So, John, welcome to the show, um, and thanks for, for making some time for us. You've been very busy lately, and now that you are out of Congress, I wanted to take this opportunity to reflect on your last six years um, as a representative for Maryland's 6th Congressional District. And let's start from the very beginning. I remember six years ago when nobody had the slightest clue what was going to happen in the 6th District. The redistricting just came through. And at the time, this name, this name, Rob Garagiola, came to mind, and I thought, oh, man, well, he's being pruned by the uh, – he's being groomed, rather, uh, by <laughs> the establishment. He was – you know, here's this guy that's being groomed that he's going to be the next – Yeah, well, I should have uh, And then here comes John Delaney, at, and John Delaney came out of nowhere – and then all of a sudden, John Delaney had won the primary and then beat Roscoe Bartlett, the longtime member of Congress from the 6th District. And so what was that like, John? I mean, look, you, you went up against a guy that was establishment as establishment can be, and you went in and said, hey, I have a different message. And people took to that pretty well. And you beat uh, your former opponent handily. And then upset that and then became a member of the United States Congress. Yeah, I mean, it was an amazing experience and a, and a great thrill. And, and I will say it was, a, for me, it was a real learning experience. As I like wow. to say, um, the first time I went to uh, an event when I was running for Congress was at a, was at a venue in Frederick. And, you, and I just announced. And you had to get up in front of the crowd, and there were five people running. And... Um, uh, Rob being one of them, then there were three others and myself. And I went up there and gave my speech as to why I should be the member of Congress. Literally, this is the first political speech I had ever done. And afterwards, as I'm driving home with April, I said, yeah, that wasn't very good, was it? And she goes, no, you're going to have to get a lot better. Uh, and that's kind of how my political career started because, you know, I came, or as you know, Ryan, I come from the private sector. Yep. And in the private sector, you know, you're used to giving very tailed uh, presentations where what sometimes matters is the throw weight of the data you throw at people and not necessarily how well you frame it. And so I was kind of giving my private sector speech as to the 50 reasons why I'd be a good member of Congress. And, uh, you know, and, and you realize uh, that in, in the privilege of public service is about not only moving people's minds, but also their hearts. And, yeah. Um, and that was a real evolutionary process for me. Um, and, you know, and I still get caught up in that a little bit because I do think the facts matter. And, you know, I do sometimes get bogged down in the details. Um, but in you know in general it's been an amazing experience. It's been a terrific privilege to serve the the, the, the citizens of the sixth congressional district. I've learned so much about the district. I've learned so much about the state. I've learned so much about the country, and I've learned a lot about myself. Well, you did a, a one thing that I can say of many that you you groomed your staff to be. Um, strong in constituent services. There was never a moment where if I didn't have a question or someone that whom I knew has a question, contacted your office, they got an answer. And I think you set the bar high for constituent services. And that matters to people, especially out in Western Maryland, that they feel a disconnect to the federal government. And the first interaction they might have is with a member of your staff. 
when they have a real problem or a concern, they pick up the phone and your staff responded. And there's never been a time where they haven't. So I give you a lot of credit for that, for setting the tone and for picking people that you trust and for whom that uh, you knew that could handle the important work of constituent services. Well, thank you, Ryan. I'm really proud of the team. I've been really blessed to have some terrific people on board. Well, take us back. So through the years, and it hasn't really been that long, and I'm just thinking, you know, John got elected in 2012. He was sworn in in 2013, and then here we are. And then I remember in 2013 there was another government shutdown, and we're we're in the midst of another partial government shutdown. We're moving through – uh, moving through your congressional career, what are some of your highlights? What are some of the pieces of legislation that you worked on uh, that you're most proud and some of the policies that you work to champion that uh, you want to highlight today? Sure. Well, um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm most proud of the work I did for our veterans. As you know, because you work closely with veterans, Ryan. It's Absolutely. It's amazing experience. And that's the one thing I always tell people about serving in Congress. You, you, get, you get the opportunity to spend time with two different groups of people, with veterans and kids, right? Because there's always young people coming to the Hill and there's always veterans coming to the Hill. And uh, so I, I've really um, tried to do everything I can to support our servicemen and women, not only when they're serving their country, but importantly, when they're also uh, completed their service to our country. And, and we've done a lot on working and helping veterans, whether it be on medical leave issues or veterans credit issues. And, and, and that's been a real area that I think I will, you know, look back at my time in Congress and really take great pride in. I've been a big sponsor for the Fisher House, which I know you're familiar with, uh, and increased the funding significantly for them so that family members of veterans, when they're, when they're receiving treatment in a VA hospital, they, they have a place to stay because, you know, the families used to be, they used to camp out on tents on the lawns of VA hospitals so they could be near their loved ones, which is just not the way you want to, you know, you want to honor the service of, of these amazing men and women who have served our country. So that's always the high point. I've also done a lot on uh, tax policy that I think is smart. I was a big driving force behind this uh, this uh, provision that was put in the tax reform bill, which I didn't vote for, but there was a provision in there. There were several provisions in there that were actually my bills that got rolled into that law, which is uh, this provision that creates incentives for people to invest in communities that are left behind, that distressed investment and opportunities act. And again, I saw that from my uh, work in Western Maryland. I'd see how people are just so anxious to invest in, in close in Montgomery County but when you go to um, whether it be Hagerstown or Cumberland, you don't see that kind of investment appetite. So creating incentives for those communities to get their fair share of investment has really been important to me, and I'm really proud of that. I've also done a lot of work on this area called social impact bonds pay for success, which is about bringing innovation to government and creating ways for, for, for government to uh, you know, contract with uh, the, the private sector and the, the, the nonprofit sector to, to bring innovation and, and more responsible, fiscally responsible outcomes to government. I've done a lot there. I think I changed the conversation on infrastructure and repatriation in this country, which was yep. my first big initiative. And, and again, part of that got rolled into the tax bill, not enough of it, unfortunately. But so those are just some of the things that I've worked on that I, I've, been, uh, I've been really, really proud of. John, is there a single moment or maybe one or two in your congressional career where it was a defining moment or something that is indelible to you? Maybe a specific moment on the House floor or it was a congressional speech by a member of your colleague or a moment meeting with a constituent that rings a bell to you that you'll never forget. 
Well, you know, again, I I think the first time uh, a group of uh, kind of veteran, uh, disabled veterans uh, came to see me and it prompted me doing my first visit to Walter Reed. Hmm. And I remember meeting a a young man at at Walter Reed who, uh, you know, was probably, I don't know, 23, 24 years old. And he had just lost, uh, he'd been at Walter Reed for about a week. He had lost both his legs. And I was talking to him, and, you know, he, he was telling I was asking him about where he's from, and it turns out he grew up in Northern Virginia. And then he went on to tell me that he played soccer uh, for West Point. And I was standing over him, and I was the thought of this kind of recent star soccer player for West Point, yeah. who a year after graduating from the academy and serving our country lost both his legs. Uh, it just overwhelmed me with emotion, and he could tell I was taken aback by it. And he he looked at me and he said, "Sir, all I want to do is just get on my uh, my new legs and walk around and go back into service." Wow! And it really was just a there was something about this. I mean, it's horrific for any person to lose their legs, but there was something about him telling me about how he was a soccer player at West Point. And, and, and the, I, I don't know why that struck me more than, than normal, but it was just so powerful, I thought. And then his, his enthusiasm for overcoming this incredible setback, getting on his new legs, which were artificial, obviously, and going back into service of the country uh, just really has always served to me as a great reminder um, you know, what real service is and what real sacrifices people make. I, I see it every day. We, as you know, I work with veterans. Yeah. Uh, we work for a veteran owned and operated company and we're located in Rockville. And it yep. was uh, when you had the opportunity to come out and visit with us, um, that was quite an honor and a privilege to have you, but you know how resilient our nation's military is. Yeah. And the sixth district has so many uh, amazing veterans, uh, great yep. stories from, from Garrett down to Allegheny to Washington and Frederick, there's such yep. a concentration. And I always think that the sixth district itself is somewhat of a microcosm of the rest of the country. And you have a, you have a progressive portion of the district where you and I live in, in Montgomery. And then you go to the Western half and it's more culturally conservative and they have different needs. It's a rural agricultural area um, and then in Frederick, um, it's a little bit of a combination of both. And that's that's fascinating. I think that probably has prepared you for the next adventure and how you have discussions and frame policy discussions yeah. with people. And so here we are today when I, I look at Congress as polarized. And I, I have a lot of hope in the new 116th Congress, John, that it is – it's it's diverse and it looks like there's a lot of enthusiasm for some some real change efforts to happen. And when I, when you first joined Congress, John, and maybe it was just that I, I don't know if I wasn't paying close enough attention, but I didn't get the sense that it was as polarized as it is today. And maybe that's just with the evolution of politics. But when you joined Congress, John, was it different than when you left in terms of the raw partisanship that you've experienced? Yeah, I mean, I think the president has obviously, you know, I call him the divider in chief. Yeah. Um, and I think he's made it worse. I mean, I, I think a president should take a, in addition to the, the traditional oath that a president takes, 
I think a president should have basically take another oath, which is to wake up every day and do anything they can to try to unify the country, not divide it. Um, because I think that's one of the most fundamental responsibilities of the leader of our nation. And obviously the current president doesn't meet that standard. He's, as I say, the divider in chief. So I think he has made it worse. And it, and, and that's been the most challenging part for me because, as you know, I, I, I love policy. I love getting things done. Yep. I love interacting with people, my, my constituents, citizens. But the, the political aspect of, of it to me is somewhat of a necessary evil. I remember being very pleased when the Herald Mail endorsed me in 2014 after my I first term that. in Congress. I was running against Dan Bongino. And I remember they wrote that Mr. Delaney seems almost indifferent to politics. And I said, well, that's kind of right. I mean, I kind of view it as something I have to do. Um, but what we really should be doing is focusing on working together and getting things done, recognizing that people look at issues differently. And those disagreements should be strengthening conversations, not divisive conversations. Um, but we've allowed, you know, we've allowed our country to evolve to a place where too many Republicans and too many Democrats believe that half the country is entirely wrong about everything they believe. And that's just not true. You and I know that. Yeah. Well, I remember that 2014 race and not to shed any airtime on Mr. Bongino, but you have, (laughs) you've run for, now you're running for president and Mr. Bongino is being fired by NRA TV and runs a podcast down in Florida. Thank God you won that race. I just want to say that. Thank God for this district. That you that won was a that close race. race too. That was a, that, that was a tough year to be a Democrat in Maryland, as you know. It was, it was, that it was a year that governor Hogan won. Larry Hogan won the gubernatorial race. And then People said, well, what, you know, why was it so close? And I don't know if you get that on the campaign trail where national reporters say, well, hey, John, you know, you ran in two, 2014 and some guy that ran for U.S. Senate, but then wasn't even, you know, was 50 miles from the district, came up and it was a close race. And uh, but you have to pay attention to Maryland politics. It was a it was an interesting year for 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 this district. So, you know, here we are today, 2019. And. Um, you're you learn a lot success. more by your close uh, – they say you learn more by your losses or close misses than you do by your big victories, right? Yeah. What um, was the takeaway from that? Did I, And what was – Well, first of all, there was the environment that you talked about. But I, but I also actually – I was pretty constructive about my performance in that race. And I think the thing – even though I was actually very proud, you know, when it turned out we, I, we did um, – Larry Hogan won the district by 15 or 20 points. That's right. Um, and uh, so in, in some ways, our victory that year was a very good victory. But, you know, it was really interesting. I, um, I, had, I thought I had done a really good job my first two years as a member of Congress, right, doing what I was supposed to do. But what I realized is I had spent a lot of time in the district that first, those first two years going to events that were fairly traditional, almost political Right. And I didn't spend enough time doing events with a broader segment of people. And I don't know if you remember, it was after that election that I, I started doing a huge number of office hours all over the district. Yeah, you did. Based on that, I said, listen, you know, I, 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 I'm doing all this work, but I, I think I'm only telling Democrats about it. And that's a really dumb thing to do. So I need to purposely make sure I get out and meet 
uh, more of my constituents who aren't Democrats. John, let me ask so you this. It's easy to fall into this trap because you get invited to like every Democratic party or dinner, et cetera, and you got to yeah. do those things. But you realize you represent everyone, and you need to the rubber chickens and opportunities for everyone to see it. <laughs> I've been to so many of those things that they get tiring, and the foods. Yeah, you know I what mean, I'm talking about. And, and you yeah, think I, if you're I, doing all those things that you're doing something, but sometimes you're not doing as much as you should. Right, and then you go home and feel bad about yourself because you ate way too right. much, and the food is never good. Right. So, <laughs> and, I, and I think between 2014 and 2016, I did something like 35 or 40. Uh, office hours in that first year after that close election where I would set up in some, you know, community building or public library or something like that. And uh, we'd send out invitations and I'd sit there and I'd see everyone who came, you know, sometimes 10 or 15 people would come and I'd be there for, you know, an hour, an hour and 15 minutes. Sometimes it'd be 40 or 50 people. I'd be there for, for hours on it. Yeah. And it was I remember they, they weren't Democrats. They weren't Republicans. They weren't independents. What they were, they were veterans. They were having issues with this that, and the other thing, or they were seniors or they were, you know, kids in high school who wanted to meet their congressman and ask them a question, or there were people who worried about affordable housing. And it was much more of a, uh, first of all, it was a lot more fun. And secondly, I just think it connected me uh, better to the district. And so, you know, I even learned something from that close election. Well, let me give you kudos on another another issue that you worked on and that are you, you did something spectacular for uh, students who are interested in military academies where you held a military academy night and we brought our son who's now 15. And as uh, you know, my wife and I are pushing him to go into military service and to, to to really highly consider which academy he's interested in, including we, yep. we would love for him to go to the Naval Academy. That would be our, our top choice. And we know that he's working really hard. But the opportunity that you created for people to come and understand the process, we took away so much from that, especially the one in Frederick, and you held them all throughout the district. But that is so important. And I think that's another one of those things that um, I'm hoping that um, – you know, your, your successor follows in your shoes. And speaking of which, John, um, you, you know, people are in the district. Uh, I, I think they're, 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 they're happy that the many people in the district I know are happy that a Democrat won the district, that the sixth district is safe. Um, and they, they see Mr. Trone who is went out and waged a, a tough fight. He spent a significant amount of money and now he's the new congressman are are you confident in him in taking over the responsibilities as a representative for the district yes uh i think david will do a very good job um and i think in particular on constituent services as you know he hired uh sunny uh, yes i do yeah to run his district operations and you know sunny well and Sonny's a great uh, guy. i think sunny's been a real blessing to me and i expect he'll be the same to david well he's got his hands full so I and i know I that do a great job one thing I will give Mr. Trone credit for doing well is creating relationships in the district, uh, visiting with all types of uh, all types of constituencies, organizations, groups, and going out and sitting down and meeting with people. And that, as a member, a new member of Congress, that's just something that you have to do, and uh, you have to be amongst your constituency. So, you know, I'm I'm looking now at the future of John Delaney. And you've been to – how many times have you been to New Hampshire now? I've been to 12, 12 times to New Hampshire. I'm waiting for you to come. I, I, well, I'm going to talk to your staff about that. I am excited to come up. 
I was there in 2016 for and 15, I think between the two, four separate times and spent uh, all a lot of time just exploring the uh, the entire state. And you've been out to Iowa several times for your presidential campaign. 20 times to Iowa, 12 to New Hampshire. 12 times. And, and so here we are. More candidates are thinking about getting in. Um, it looks like that Elizabeth Warren is exploring a run. She announced on New Year's Eve that she's uh, considering it. And you know now she's drinking beer on television. And um, former governor, Martin O'Malley, you know him. Uh, yesterday he announced he's not going to run for president, but instead he wants to see Beto O'Rourke run. And you know, Beto just ran down in Texas and lost to Ted Cruz, but ran a great race. And the, the, the race right now is fluid. We're not sure who's going to run. I have an idea, but where does the what's the Delaney brand going into 2020? We've talked about this before, but does it change? Does it does it does it stay the same, or you're just being John who knows finance and economics and and wants to take our country back from the craziness that is happening today in Washington. Yeah. I mean, I I think I'm not going to change. I think, you know, authenticity is key to this business, as you know, and, and I'm, I'm a pretty open book and pretty transparent and and like to make personal connections myself. I mean, our campaign is about unity. It's about having a vision for the future and it's about real leadership. Um, And I think I bring those, uh, a unique, uh, set of skills, set of experiences, and most importantly, I think I answer the question that the country is really asking, which is how do you take this terribly divided nation where American has increasingly been pitted against American, and how do you start bringing it back together? That, I think, is the most important issue for this country to confront, because if we stay on our current trajectory, we're looking at a future where more of our citizens get left behind because we don't do anything to prepare them for the world as it's changing. We're looking at a future where the divisions get deeper and every political disagreement is met by violent protests fueled by disinformation campaigns. Uh, And we're looking for a future where the debts we're leaving our children, whether they be fiscal debts or environmental debts, are absolutely unpayable. And so we really need to actually come together with some common purpose and do things to prepare our country for the future, do things to restore a sense of unity to the nation, uh, and tackle some of these issues that we have, which are all solvable. I mean, the United States of America has such a magnificent hand to play. We just need to play it better. When you look at the polls and you see that you are um, – I, I was looking at recent polls – at about 1%, but the race is still fluid. We don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Is is your goal to get onto the stage of the presidential debates, and then what's going to be the breakout moment for John Delaney where people nationally say, hey, this is a guy we need to pay attention to? What's, when's that I – mean, you obviously can't predict that moment, but there, well, there has the to be some – obviously. Right, you know, exactly. The debates are key. Uh, the first debate is going to be in June, and um, you know, someone like myself who is not as well-known as some of the other candidates, I have to really nail it in the debate. And what I have to do is convince the American people that the story that I have to tell is about what, we, what our future could be is just fundamentally better than ever. And I believe it is, and I believe I uniquely also have a plan to make it happen. Uh, so I think that once I'm on the debate stage, I'm going to compare very well to my competitors, both in terms of the vision I have and how well I thought through how to make it happen, 
but also the unique life experiences I have as a blue-collar kid and a successful entrepreneur and now a member of Congress. I don't think anyone brings that level of experiences to the table. You are 55 years old. At one point in your career, you were the youngest CEO in the New York Stock Exchange. You started incredible companies. You've had exciting success in your life. You raised four daughters. You have a wonderful wife um, who I know she probably keeps you As you know, track. Ryan, it's good to marry up in life. Uh, and, and we did. I did. You did. And it's, that's what it's all about. And so you've had a, a blessed life. You made a lot of money, and you've, you've had an opportunity to serve the 6th District here in Maryland. And so this next step, some people may not understand it, but I, it has to make sense for the person. It has to make sense for their career choice. And so yep. I'm sure that you've had many opportunities where you're out in Iowa, and it's cold, and it's, you're in some, <laughs> some cafe, and there's like 10 people surrounding you, and you're thinking – John, what in the hell am I doing? And I, I'm sure every candidate goes through that. But, you know, John, I think you have a message that is different fundamentally from any other candidate. And I don't know the other candidates like I know you, but I will say that this country is, as you mentioned, it is divided. And I think that if there, if there is a center, if there is a center that we can drive up and talk about policy from that perspective, not left, not right, not progressive, not conservative, but I think people are desperately yearning for a return to one normalcy, two decency, and three, the center of American politics, where I think most people are. Some people are center left, some people are center right, but there's they're between the 45 and 55 yards. And so I think that I think that, that once that message gets out and you have been hammering that home, John, I really believe that you will make a huge dent in this presidential primary. Yeah, I mean, look, at this election is going to be about what do we stand for, who we are as a people, what matters to us, what's our commitment, our passions, the dreams and hopes we have for our kids, how do we work together and really strive together to find that kind of salvation that I think Americans are looking for, and what is our future? And I well, think those questions I'll answer very persuasively to people. So leaving this interview as we wrap up, you've, if you had a chance to talk to the people of the 6th District a final time, you're, now you're out of public office, but you're, you're still running for, uh, for, for a seat there, um, the big seat of the White House. What yeah, I hope leave... you still represent them. Let's put it that way. Well, of course. And, <laughs> of course. So, yeah. So what would you leave with the 6th District? What's your parting message, John? Well, my parting message is to thank them for giving me this amazing opportunity. I, I think it's a real privilege uh, to have an opportunity to serve and to be able to live a meaningful life. And I feel like uh, the constituents of the 6th District gave me that opportunity. And I hope they've been pleased with the commitment uh, to serving them that I've, that I've tried to bring to bear. Well, I'm, I thank you for your public service. It's been a, it's been a fun six years, and I know that you – put so much effort into representing the 6th District well, and it seems like you've learned a lot, and you've made a lot of new friends, and, I'm, and we're proud of you. I know my wife and I are very proud that we, we had the honor to have you as our representative, and I tell people it's going to be big shoes to fill, but um, I have faith that uh, our Maryland congressional delegation will be just fine, and uh, now that you're exploring um, some bigger opportunities, um, John, I, I can only say I wish you truly all the best. Well, thank you, Ryan. And I've enjoyed our relationship and uh, we're going to keep it going.
Okay, and I promise you, I will be up in out up in New Hampshire sometime, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow your campaign for a weekend. <laughs> Great. All, All right. Well, we'll see you up there, Ryan. All right, happy John. New happy year and best to your family. Happy, thank you. Happy New Year. Thanks so much. Bye bye. All right, folks. That was Representative John Delaney, former congressman from the Maryland 6th Congressional District, right here where we're broadcasting from, uh, broadcasting live from Gaithersburg. So John Delaney is moving on to bigger and better things, running for president of the United States. He's the first declared presidential candidate of the Democrats. He's been out in Iowa, up in New Hampshire, all over the place. And today he talked about his tenure as a United States congressman. So we thank him for his service. We appreciate him serving this district and hiring great people to handle his constituent services and working on veterans issues and financial issues and bridging that partisan divide. So with that, thank you everybody for listening. My name is Ryan Miner. I am the host of a minor detail podcast. Please check me out on the web at a minor detail.com. I'm also on the podcast now has a website, a minor detail podcast.com. The website is not up to date yet. I'm still working on that. We have a lot of exciting adventures coming up. I'm partnering with MarylandReporter.com. That is uh, Lynn Lazarick, who is the editor and publisher. We're going to be in Annapolis covering state politics. I'm going to try to cover the, the Hill as well. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, politics and all kinds of fun stuff here in the new year. we got a lot in store. Thank you for listening today. Have a great weekend, everybody.